if that's a challenge for you. I see Manny putting up a hand. Do you want one, Manny? Now, so I started off uh, our service with thinking about the bold and powerful claim of Easter. This, this strange claim that the tomb is empty, that Jesus died. He, he was on a cross, he died, he was in the tomb. But three days later, there was nothing in that tomb. The tomb is now empty. Uh, you will not find his body there. There's no amount of archaeology. It's one of the challenges that Christianity has. We, we can't uh, provide historical evidence of Jesus' body because it's not there anymore. <laughs> plenty of other historical evidence for Jesus and who he was, but that one thing we cannot ever claim to provide. And if we ever did find it, I know personally I'm done. I would give up as a Christian if they can prove definitively they found Jesus' body. I, 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 like I, I remember meeting this guy who was a priest while I was still training in ministry, and uh, we had this conversation and it came up, the possibility that you know, if they ever found the body, and it was really bizarre. He said, oh, you know, I'd probably keep going. I'm just thinking, wow, this guy, he really loves his religion, but surely he knows nothing of Jesus. The hope of Christianity is built on the claim that the grave is empty. And if that is not true, the the whole thing, it's not worth believing. But it also means, doesn't it, that Jesus is not physically here. Jesus rose to life, and as we heard in the reading, he ascended into heaven. Uh, he's in God's throne room. He, physically, he's not here with us. And, and Jesus actually expected that would be something hard for us to grapple with. So if you look at the, the book of John, we're going to eventually get there, I'm sure, but not this year. Um, John 13 to 16, four chapters. And most of what Jesus is doing in those chapters is preparing his disciples for the problem that he's not going to be around, that he's going to leave them. Jesus expected them to find that hard, that the tomb would be empty and he would be with his father. And in fact, he he actually finds it, it's something he addresses even here at the end of John 6. So we've been working our way through John 6 in the lead up to Easter. It's like we've been sucking on the chapter and uh, taking every morsel from it. And what's been a theme is this offense that Jesus has been causing repeatedly he has offended people by what he said so initially he offended them because he said look you're chasing after me because you want food you saw me produce bread and fish and you don't really care about who I am as a son of God you just want to feed Uh, then he offended them by saying that they had to trust him they couldn't work their way to heaven they had to trust Jesus for eternal life he offended them by claiming that he was greater than Moses that he actually came from heaven and he wasn't so much like Moses as like the manna. He is the source of life. And then on Friday, we saw this really, really offensive metaphor of eating his flesh and drinking his blood, cannibalism, in order to have eternal life. It's so graphic. But Jesus has one more offensive thing to say. And it's our focus today on Easter Sunday. Jesus says he's going to return to heaven and 
He's going to leave his disciples with just his words. Have a look, uh, if you've got your Bible there, John 6, verse 60. On hearing it, on hearing Jesus' teaching, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the life and Spirit. Uh, Jesus has just said a whole lot of offensive things, and now he talks about returning to heaven. It's like he's lobbed a bunch of hand grenades into this group of people, caused a whole lot of problems. Now he's walking away. He's going to have nothing to do with it. Can you see that? This is hard to just be left with Jesus' words, Jesus' offensive words that he's just been speaking, causing all these problems. Just ask Israel Folau. It is difficult. I mean, you can debate whether the way that he posted stuff on social media, there's certainly more that he could say from the Bible. I'd love to talk with Israel about what he believes about Jesus, but at the end of the day, he posted Jesus' words on Facebook, Jesus' words spoken through Paul, And they've caused chaos. They've offended people. And that's what Jesus says we've got. His words, his offensive words. That is the encouragement in this passage, but I want to say to you this morning, my goal is is, is to encourage you that, that that is actually a really powerful thing. That the encouragement, as we remember, that the tomb is empty and Jesus has risen from heaven, is that he is still at work through his words. That's what I think is really boldly being said here. Jesus has left us his words and he is active and at work in this world now through them. How about I pray and then we'll get into this passage. Heavenly Father, please show us how Jesus continues to work in this world by his word. And we pray that that would be a great reminder of his active work now that he is risen and ruling on high because the tomb is empty. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, so what this passage is saying is that Jesus' words are enough because they do his work. So first of all, let me show you that Jesus' words are enough. It's, it's actually all there in verse 63. Uh, Jesus says his words are powerful because they are spiritual and they're life-giving. Uh, literally, Jesus says his words are spirit. Uh, and if you've been with us over this term and you've seen what John talks about the spirit... The Spirit is how humans know God. It's our, it's our means of being related to God. So in chapter 1, it was the Spirit who descended from heaven onto Jesus to show that he is from heaven. At chapter 3, Nicodemus is told he can't see heaven, can't see the kingdom of heaven because he doesn't have the Spirit. Chapter 4, um, Jesus is speaking with a Samaritan woman and they're debating where you worship God. And Jesus says, it's not about a place. Acceptable worship isn't about being in a particular building. Acceptable worship is someone who worships by the Spirit. You need that heavenly connection. Jesus' words, he says, are spirit. They're also life. I mean, we live in a world full of death. Uh, just in, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to be taking another funeral because all of us are facing the end of our life. 
John 4 and 5, we saw it. Jesus came to these people who were grieving, a, a man whose son was dying. And he, he offered life. But he also warned us that this world faces judgment. It's condemned. And yet Jesus' words, as we saw then, Jesus' words bring life through the Spirit. Now, the Bible unpacks this elsewhere. It's a really fundamental claim about the Bible and its nature. Uh, It is that the Spirit is at work throughout the entirety of how the Bible, we, we engage with the Bible. So when the Bible was written, the people writing the Bible, they were being led by the Spirit. Uh, when the Bible is read, the, the, it is, the words are spirit-empowered. They're carried by the Spirit to a hearer who the Spirit is working in the person's heart. So they'll hear those words and receive them as words from heaven. The Spirit uses Jesus' words, God's words, to give us life. So just to reflect on what that means... One of the highlights of us getting together as a church family is actually the Bible reading. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. We intentionally, we have two Bible readings of a Sunday. And sometimes I don't even refer to the second Bible reading. I don't know if you've noticed that. But we still have it because just reading the Bible is powerful. We are hearing God speak to us. And so we can really treasure those moments in our services. Um. I don't know if you caught this uh, mini-series on SBS called Christians Like Us, Uh, if you caught it. um, They basically took nine Christians and stuck them in a house together. When I say nine Christians, nine people who claim to be Christians, who who own the title Christian. There was a Mormon, there was a a person who didn't believe that Jesus lived. Um, But nonetheless, they, they were people who called themselves Christian. And then the producers would raise all these contentious issues. So they raised sexual abuse in the church and women priests... They discussed abortion and there was a moment at the end of that discussion where one of the people in the house pulled out Psalm 139 and just read it. Psalm 139 talks about how God knew us even before we were made, as we were being knit together before our birth. It was a powerful moment if you saw it. It was simply God's word being read and you could tell it was having an effect. Today, as we declare that Jesus died for sin and rose again, those are powerful words being conveyed by God's Spirit. The tomb is absent, empty. Jesus is absent, but he's not, not, not without work. His words continue to change and, and, and change people and speak because they are spirit and they are life. Jesus' words are enough. To have his words, it's to have a connection direct with heaven. And the other thing you want to see in this passage is that they do his work. They have an impact in people's lives. So what we see is that some people don't trust Jesus' words. He speaks and people turn away. Um, And Jesus actually isn't surprised by that. That's exactly what he expects. Because the ability to accept Jesus' words, as we've been saying, is a work of God. Have a look at verse 64. Jesus says, Yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning uh, which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And from this time, from saying these words... 
many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus speaks, and they have an impact because some people turn away. It reveals what God is doing in their lives. But also, it draws other people closer. Verse 67. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelves. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So Jesus' words, they drive some people away, but they draw some people closer. It's not something magic. There are actually still some people who are drawing closer, um, but they don't trust him. Jesus picked the 12 disciples, and that included Judas who betrayed him. Verse verse 70. Uh, Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the 12, yet one of you is a devil? He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. It's not this sort of magic formula that you read Jesus' words and some people come and they're obviously Christians and some people go and they don't. No, but God works through his word. He speaks and some people are driven away. He speaks and some people are drawn closer. So here's how Jesus says it in John 12. Uh, can we have that slide up? Um, He's, he's, this is the turning point in this book. Jesus is ready to head to the cross. Here's what he says. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I do not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Jesus' words condemn. Jesus' words give life. They do his work. It's really interesting. I get this comment most Easter's. Sometimes it's from Christians. Um, Often it's from non-Christians. You say Jesus is risen, right? But if that's true... Why doesn't he do something now? Where, where is the, the, you know, Jesus doing something in this world? It's a mess. You might even actually feel that quite strongly because at the moment there's a big change in culture going on. It feels like Jesus is, is losing influence. He's becoming less and less relevant. Do you feel that? But see, this passage is saying that even now Jesus is still at work. His word goes out... He's at work when people accept his words. He's at work when people reject his words. Jesus is alive and at work in this world through his words. And so, if anything, that actually makes more sense of what's going on now. It's more obvious how Jesus is working now. Once upon a time, it was really sort of a default thing to be a Christian. You know, it was just culturally, we were Christian. Everyone went to church. But now, people make a decision. They hear Jesus' words and they have to decide. And we see him work in people's lives. We we do see people turning away, but we see people keep coming back to Jesus. What he says changes lives. Jesus has risen. The tomb is empty. He is at work by his word. So, Good Friday. We remember Jesus' sacrifice for us. We remember our sin and our need of forgiveness. But Easter Sunday, what we want to remember is Jesus, he's risen and ruling. Uh, We want to remember that he's offering us life, that he's speaking to us now, 
and inviting us to have life. So even, you remember Matthew 28, Jesus is standing on the mountain with his disciples. He's, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples and teach them to obey what I say. Obey all that I've commanded you to do. This is Jesus' big work. This is, this is the agenda from now until Jesus returns. He has risen from the dead. He is ruling and his word is at work. So what does that mean for us? Uh, three words that I think show how to respond. Where to listen, where to love, and to share. So first of all, uh, where to listen. Where to receive the words that Jesus speaks. We're not to argue back. It sort of surprises me when I meet people and they say, oh, I don't think God would want, or I don't think God really meant. I mean, it's all right to wrestle with God's word. If you read something in the Bible and you find it difficult, yes, struggle with it. Make sure that you're really hearing it right. But when you're convinced it's in the Bible, when it's clearly in the Bible, it's God's word. You don't argue back with God. But that's not to say, if you, it's not saying that if it's natural to hear Jesus' words and to just accept them. It's something that God does in you. God needs to change your heart. And I say that not to discourage you. If, if you've started to read the Bible and you're not 100% convinced, don't, don't, don't say, oh, you know, God's not doing the work, chuck away the Bible. I'm saying, as you read the Bible... Realize this is a spiritual task. You might want to pray before you start to investigate Jesus. Uh, as you read the Bible, if you find yourself going, hey, there really is something in this, that's not an ordinary moment. That is God at work. That is God changing your heart. Rejoice. Listen to what God says. And second, love what he says. Treasure it. Don't just hear Jesus' words, put it into practice. So when you read a promise, trust it. When you hear a command, follow it. These words are spirit-empowered. God makes it possible to do what they say. These words are life. The testimony of many people in this room, they started to, to listen to the Bible and put it into practice and their life changed. It made a difference. It's not just off in the future, one day Jesus will rise from the dead. Now, Jesus' words speak life to us and make a difference. And if you feel in the minority living that way, if it feels odd to obey Jesus' words, just remember Peter. Imagine, you've got this huge crowd have been following Jesus. Things have been going so well, suddenly Jesus starts talking a lot and all these people start leaving. And you'd be left there, for, you know, it's almost just the 12 of you. And you're going, What's, what have we done wrong? But Jesus turns to Peter and says, are you going to go too? And he says, no, no, I, there are no other words that give life like this. Jesus, you are speaking exactly the words that we need to hear right now. I'm not going anywhere. Love what Jesus says. Listen, love, and share. Speak Jesus' words. Be encouraged to speak Jesus' words. I had a really encouraging conversation recently. Um, somebody invited four different people to our Easter events. And she, they were sharing with me, it was, it was really discouraging. Only 
one person said yes. Three of them said no. And, you know, you could imagine feeling like, oh, you know, God's not really worked those three other times. It's only one time. No, that's not the way to see it. Jesus was at work in all four conversations. Every time we speak about Jesus, he's at work. Three times, it led someone to say, oh, we're not interested. But the fourth time, Jesus called someone closer to him. Jesus is always at work through his words, so share it. Don't, don't hesitate. If you read something encouraging in the morning, I'm, a habit I'm trying to get into, I read my Bible in the morning, I find something encouraging, stop and think about how I might share that with someone else during the day. Because these, these are words that are spirit and they give life. Uh, when I'm talking with someone and I'm hearing about the things going on in, in their life, is there something in Scripture, does God say something that could speak to them? that I could encourage them, that I could challenge them. Say something. Say it wisely. I know that we can you know, say it in a way that's really going to offend people. Um, but nonetheless, be confident. Jesus' words, sometimes they will offend, but they will speak life. They will change lives. Jesus invites to heaven, he warns of hell, and both are worth sharing. Because Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. The, the tomb is empty. He is not physically here with us, but he is at work by his word. He left us his words. That's not a down thing. That is a great thing. Because his words are powerful. They are spirit and they are life. And they draw people to him. How about I pray? Heavenly Father, please keep teaching us the, the real rule of Jesus. On this day when we remember that Christ defeated death, and he now sits at your right hand. May that encourage us to hear your words, to love them and live them, and also to share them with others. Thank you, Lord God, that Jesus is at work now. And we thank you for the promise of resurrection life through him, guaranteed by his resurrection from the dead. We pray in his name. Amen.